You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rost, a two-hour Seahawks preview for week four. Special guests today include wide receiver Tyler Lockett. Safety Josh Jones going to join us as well. You're going to hear from Alliance reporters. We get an opponent preview, and you'll also hear from all of your favorites, including Steve Rabel and Ray Roberts. First, let's take a look back before we take a look forward. That game against the Falcons, a tough one. Guys, initially it felt like a shootout. Seattle ended up finishing with 23 points. The problem, Atlanta finished with 27. Um, man, I, I don't even uh, know where to start with this one. Uh, Bump, why don't you get us started with talking about the biggest problem in this one, which was the defense. Uh, yeah, it was the defense when you give up 179 yards, a couple of big runs, 140, 140 yards by Patterson. Uh, that's where it starts. And also you allowed Atlanta to be really good on third downs, third and long, throwing the football. Marcus Mariota was 13 of 20, over 200 yards and had a couple touchdowns. It's um, it's discouraging in that sense because two things that you need to be good at to control a game, stopping the run and getting teams to third downs and stopping them on third downs, you just weren't very good at. But on the positive side, I mean, Geno still looked like a good ball player. He threw for over 300 yards for the fourth time in his career. Um, you get DK involved. The tight ends get involved. Uh, but end of the day, it just wasn't enough to beat a team that you felt like you had a chance against. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, if you look at the numbers, like nine uh, time of possession, mm-hmm. it was 32-28. Total yards. Total yards, total plays offensively. So, but yeah, it was just uh, they just couldn't get off the field in certain situations. So it was... Uh, you know, I pretty much on the defense. There was a couple of things. I did a little football one-on-one thing about a check that maybe Gino could have run the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a they were out outmanned on on one side, five players to four. Plus, you had Rashad Penny. It's a third and two. Maybe run it there. But I'm with you, Bump. I think Gino is he's really upped his upside. I've been saying that a lot this this year. <laughs> I felt like Travis Homer did that. DJ uh, Dallas did that in the in the preseason, but. He's made some plays that that have actually have surprised me, you know, and certainly in the Denver game. Yeah. Not so much in the the San Francisco game. He threw it into coverage a couple of times, but um, in this one again. Yeah, and and getting the tight ends going, I love that. I think they had what nine catches for over a hundred yards and a touchdown. So that was uh, that was good to see. But you know, it's it's pretty much on the defense right now, and I, they have the second worst run defense in the league. And they're actually going up against, what, the second or third best run game in, in the league in, in Detroit. They're pretty – trying to. we've been talking about this all week. Is it encouraging that the, the fixes are very elementary? And, and a lot of it is alignment. And, again, on Football 101, I did one where not only – they didn't identify the strength of the formation. There's two tight ends, a receiver, one receiver on the other side, one back. And it didn't look like they called it strong left. And then – they slanted their guys away from the strength, the two, the two, the mm-hmm. end and the and the nose. So they just put themselves in a really bad situation. And that was a Cordero Patterson 18-yard run, and it was right after the 40-yard run. Oof. So they had lots of stuff going on. I think it, everything's happened on the edge defensively, right, as far as the run game. I mean, it's not like I don't feel like they're gashing them up the middle. It's all been out there. So it's something that needs to get cleaned up. It's uh, It's something that other teams – are definitely seeing and they're taking advantage of it. Now, when you're getting gashed up the middle, um, I feel like it would tell you, like, obviously you've got a great interior offensive line and they're struggling with their interior defensive line or their defensive tackles or whatever. I know it's more complicated than that. But, I mean, if they're going, you know, picking up yards off tackle or if they're going outside, who's where's the falling apart happening on defense? Well, if you're, you're getting gashed outside, and 
I remember we spoke, Dave, and he actually sent us, uh, Paul Moore and I, a play to where the alignment's all jacked up. You're already out-leveraged if um, you're trying to get outside to where the furthest guy outside is, like, head up on the tackle. Like, if you're going to be outside and you're going to be the guy to forcing inside, you got to be outside and have an angle to gain your leverage. If you're getting forced, if you're getting gashed up inside, um, there's a couple things that I think. I think that the backers aren't pressing and forcing the issue and meeting force with force or they're just going head up and at such an angle that's advantageous to the guards whoever's getting um who's getting up to that level to where they're not able to dip that shoulder and get penetration and get behind yeah and you know and and especially in the three four i know when i played it anything inside it was a race between you and the guard to see who can cover the four yards more of the four yards you know like you want to get two and a half and he only gets one and a half so that means you're attacking blockers and haven't really seen too much of that i think you know those the inside guys they look confused you know and and there's a lot of guys that look confused like there was a play where the running back was kind of heading outside and cody went in and sort of for no reason hit a guard and it was like i I don't know why he would do that unless he was confused the other thing that you'll see i call it yogging on our show yogging apparently you just jog you just run Ron Burgundy, remember when he said, yeah. started this whole thing called jogging. jogging. When you see guys jogging on the field and they're not playing full speed, it's not because they're lazy. It's not because they, you know, are just um, negligent. It's just because they're confused. Right, they're, they're slowing down to figure yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, and that's where when, you know, guys say the game slows down, that means it slows down in their mind. Like, they're on top of it. They know their assignments and you know, I, look, this is a really good defensive coaching staff. I mean, Desai is, has a doctorate. You know, Carl Scott can just, you know, spit words like nobody I've ever seen. You know, Clint, they know they know what they're doing, but they just, I guess they're having a hard time getting that communicated yeah. to the to the players. So, you know, and I, I don't worry too much. Like the pass interference thing has been a problem, but that, that'll clean up. But this one kind of concerns me a little bit just because you've got um, like a Chenna. He had uh, one the, on the 40 yard run and he, he said so afterwards. Yep. He's like, yeah, I screwed that up. And we stunk and he got too far upfield. So yeah, the, the perimeter is where the, where teams are going to attack them yeah. until they get that fixed. Uh, let's jump back to offense. Here's the thing. It, the beginning of the game against Atlanta, it felt immediately and ended up being kind of a shootout between the two offenses. The two defenses were struggling. Uh, Detroit's defense also has been struggling. They've given up uh, their 90% uh, allowing a touchdown in the red zone, which is the worst in all of the league. We know that Seattle has their struggles. There's a chance that in week four, this once again ends up being a shootout. And I got to tell you guys, Geno Smith has surpassed my own expectations. This offense has surpassed my own expectations. I thought we would be watching a season where the defense would have to be carrying the offense, and yeah. instead we're watching the offense keeping this team in games. Geno Smith, uh, a season-high 44 attempts, 32 of 44, 325, uh, sacked twice but still had two touchdowns through just a pick. That was, of course, in a desperation play at the end of the game, so I almost like don't even count that one. It felt back-breaking at the time, yeah. but that was just kind of like a try-to-get-something-done play. Um I mean, this offense, has it surprised you guys? Did you see this coming? Is there something they're doing well this early that has surprised you? Oh, I don't know yeah. about any kind of, sorry, Bob. Uh, um, not necessarily like what they're doing scheme-wise and everything, but two players to me, Gino is better than advertised. Yep. I mean, I, I just think we've seen him make plays and kind of how we talk about it on our show anyway is, is he the kind of guy that can win a game for you at the end? Like, 
he didn't the other day. Mm -hmm. I still think he has the ability to make those plays, like the play to Will Disley against Denver. Like, I didn't know he had that in him. So I, I think his upside much better. Rashad Penny, what we saw out of him, I love that, man. He he is putting his head down and finishing those runs by trying to run people over. Mm -hmm. I, I love it, man. And he's not getting up holding a hamstring or anything. I just think he's become a football player and a solid football player. So, yeah. And, and then the other thing is I think that uh, Ken Williams may have found something. That run right there, a lot of times you do you make one play like that, and all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and it clicks for him. So I, I, I like what we saw out of him as well. We expected this defense to hold it down for the offense because of the change at D.C., the change in scheme, and the personnel that we saw on defense with Jamal Adams. But the further we get into this, I'm looking at it, I go, okay, that's – probably the right way to think about it. But then when we look at that off offense, what do we have a quarterback who's been here for a while, mm -hmm. a second year coordinator, a running back who proved he can ball out last year, two receivers who have shown that they can go for over a thousand yards. I think we just look at what it takes for an offense to get going and figured, okay, yes, they have more veterans over there, have more experience over there as far as cohesiveness, but because the defense typically are just allowed to, to let loose and go that they would be the ones to hold it down, especially because of Geno Smith. But what we're seeing is, okay, there are a lot of changes going on on defense, so there's a lot more coaching that has to go on. But offensively, Geno Smith has complete control of this offense, and he's got veterans around him. The youngest part on this offense are the two tackles who have exceeded expectations. All right, well, let's talk about what's going right with this offense and the hot start they're having with someone who's actually playing on this offense. Wide receiver Tyler Lockett joins us next. This is The Huddle. All right, and we will be talking to Tyler Lockett in just a minute on The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. While we wait on Tyler, practice ending right now, um, we're playing. Uh, we're we're going to watch these guys play a team that has been featured on this year's edition of Hard Knocks training camp with the Detroit Lions. What have you guys thought of uh, of this show so far? It's kind of weird to watch a team that we've been watching in these episodes. Well, I heard you guys previewing it and you saying that there was a hundred percent chance that I would love Dan Campbell. I knew, and, and was I right? <laughs> you were absolutely correct. exactly. Oh, that's not that much of a stretch, no, right? I mean, but I just on. knew it in my bones. I was like, these two are made for each other. Well, I talked to Lomas Brown last year, who is their. Um, their analyst, you know, my role and their Lions radio broadcast. And we both, you know, talked about, hey, he was a player for a long time. And you sniff out, the players sniff out a phony. I mean, if he's, if he's, if that's not him, if yeah. that's not originally who he is, it, nobody's going to follow him. But you saw on Hard Knocks what, you know, what he's very passionate. He, he loves what he does. Um, I think the guys respect him. The other thing you look at, uh, they've got, I think they've got more ex-players on their staff than yeah. any team I've seen. Mm -hmm. You know, Aaron Glenn, Deuce Staley. Um, I mean, Campbell himself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, uh, is it Raleigh, their, uh, their uh, line coach. So yeah, there's lots of ex-players there, the linebacker coach. So I think these guys, it's a tough team. Um, you see, like I said, they're, they're number three, um, rushing the football they're actually pretty good offensively so this is a good team i think they're going to be it's going to be a dog fight you know mm -hmm. it's going to be one of those where you know you you line up and just smash each other I, I feel like it's that kind of game i love the relationship between the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator yeah like they get after each other at practice and i think that that's important because they do it in a way that's intense but then they also show that they love each other you know what i'm saying and i think um 
that translate well on the field because you got to compete. You got to push each other. But at the end of the day, you got to love each other and want to play for each other. And I think that relationship has been awesome. Um, I love Jamal Williams and his passion for yeah. the game. It's uh, This has probably been one of my favorite hard knocks to watch. I want to say – my other one was probably the Bengals. I think that was one of the first ones, just the whole drama. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's like a reality TV show. It's exactly what it is. But um, the Lions are a well-coached team that have a foundation in their philosophy, grit. They're all about their grit. And they're going to be well-coached. When you have all these ex-players on the team, guys who actually play the position, who can relate to these guys, um, it, it gives your team a different dynamic. Yeah, and I don't know, you know how Dan Campbell's tenure in Detroit will fare. But I agree with you, Dave. I mean, the players know far more than anyone on the outside. But from the outside looking in, he just seems so authentic. And he's an old school guy, right? But um, it's it works for him. And it, it seems to work for this program. And uh, it that, like, opening monologue was intense yeah. for Hard Knocks. But I was like, this is who this guy is. And the defense hasn't looked like it, but the offense has so far. Yeah, and you know, when they uh, – Dan Miller, who's their play-by-play guy that we talked to uh, yesterday, he said – Remember the whole thing about biting kneecaps and yeah. everything? He said that yeah. was like a 10-second clip. Yeah. He said there was a 40-minute <laughs> deal that he did that was like everybody, like the writers and everything. Yeah. Like, wow, this guy is awesome. Got everyone fired up. So that was just kind of one of those things that, you know, the national media picked up because this guy, oh, look at him. He's a clown. You know, he's a meathead or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, the rest of the things that he said were really heartfelt and just things, you know, I mean, a head coach, it has to be somebody that you respect and that you'll follow. You know, and some guys have that. Like when Clint Hurt came in here and we talked to him a few years ago, I'm like, that guy's a head coach mm-hmm. at some point. Chuck Knox, I mean, when he would come into the room, we'd all be talking. And when he would get to the front of the room, it would go dead quiet. I, mm-hmm. I was, like, amazed by that. So it's you have to have that kind of sway, and he definitely has that. And I think he's building a team that's – Look, I just think if you start with being physical, you're going to be good. You know, and that's that's the thing about, you know, a lot of the teams that don't, you know, play their guys in the preseason and they don't have the kind of practices that you saw the Lions have. You know, it's it's a big difference. Now, I think by the, you know, first part, four or five, six weeks in, most teams are realized that. But I think they figured that out right away that they and remember he apologized to the guys who are like I'm sorry but we have to have these kinds mm-hmm. of practices yeah. here guys because they're beating the heck out of each other but it has to happen that's just ultimately what this this is about you know we talk about the legion of boom I'm looking at a picture of Cam Chancellor right now I mean you knew you were going to get hit when you played this defense Hard. yeah so this is uh this is who who this team is and it's kind of built after him yeah he um that moment you're talking about when he asked those guys is believe in me, trust me. Like this is, this is going to pay off numbers show that teams that hit are ready to go. If he didn't have the full trust of that team, guys would be complaining. He'd have the leaders coming into his office talking about coach. What are we doing? But, uh, the authenticity of this dude, he makes me want to play for him. I'm like, <laughs> You're like, I'll run through a wall. Strap me up right now. I'll, I'll fair catch a punt for you right now, <laughs> sir. Like, I just fair love the energy that he brings to this dude. Yeah, I think Tyler's walking over right now, so we've only got uh, just a little bit uh, left here before we bring him on. But I think um, one of the things that I'm going back to something you said, Dave, which is, you know, and actually, you know, they're, man, they're like a pretty good offense. And there is a tone of surprise because I think that, for quite a while, Detroit has just kind of gotten in its own way. And it's almost like the team mimics Dan Campbell in a way where people 
look at him and they see the kneecaps thing and they see the funny things and they see, you know, the, the jokes that he's making or how intense he is. And they kind of laugh when in reality, not only is there a lot of great coaching coming from Dan Campbell, there's a lot of great football coming from the Lions right now. Okuda, the former number three overall pick, he's, you know, a rising star with them. Uh, Bump, you've pointed this out. Number three total rushing offense. They're averaging, what, 170 rushing yards per Buck game? 70. That is insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, the defense is coming on, but they've also been injured. Uh, you know, th- th- that's kind of their big question mark specifically for them stopping the run. Um, but this is a team overall that is has been and is better than people give them credit for. And I kind of like that mirroring of of the Lions and Campbell being kind of underestimated. I love that. That's my whole life right there, Detroit Lions. Underestimated, right? (laughs) You got to play with a chip on your shoulder and find a way to do that. And we talk about their defense, Dave, man. Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, this dude is as good as advertised. The second overall pick in 2021. He's got seven tackles, three sacks, three QB hits, two TFLs. I mean, the energy that he plays with um, and the power that he plays with is fun to watch. Now, I hope Abe and and Charles Cross do their thing against him this week, but uh, it's going to be tough, man. All right. Uh, We are going to wrap here and then bring on uh, Tyler from the practice field. Don't go anywhere. First and 10 at the 50. Geno, deep drop, looks, throws into the gap. Ball is caught. Tyler Lockett again at the 30-yard line. A 20-yard gain down to the Falcons' 30. All right, you are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and right now, Tyler Lockett. Tyler, happy belated. Um, I've been told during the break by you that you did nothing for your birthday, so I can't even ask anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm at, what, I, did you just go home and sleep? I just went home and watched TV. God, you act like you play football <laughs> in this exhausting sport for a living. Well, I do. You know, but, I mean, I had family and friends celebrated for me in the offseason. That's so. good. That's good. Tyler, I was excited, man. I saw you back there on pump return, and I was like, it's cool to get the ball in your hands again. I remember you were a pro bowler in a, the kick return game. Did you ask to get back there, or did they kind of say, let's see what you can do? No, they just kind of asked if I wanted to go back there. And so, as of right now, I'm back there. Haven't really gotten any opportunities that much. Um they haven't really kicked the ball as much. And when they did, last punter kicked it like 80 yards. <laughs> so I had to let that one go and bounce in the end zone. But we'll just kind of see what happens and see if any opportunities take place. Yeah, It's amazing to me how you always find the middle of a zone. Like we were talking about this, how it seems like you find the area where it's equidistant to every guy. <laughs> like, can you describe that? Is that just experience? Have you gotten better at that in yeah, one well, regard? A lot of it is just based off of the routes that's given and just being able to understand what teams are going to do and having an idea of kind of like what the defense is that they're going to be able to play against you. But like I said, it's really based off of routes because sometimes you can't do that based off of routes that's given and sometimes you can when the routes are given, you know, in a certain time frame. And so it's really just about being able to understand like Atlanta, we played them. They were super, super zone heavy. So we had a game plan going into that game about how we wanted to be able to attack them going into a heavy zone game. Um, Does this offense, I feel like it looks a little different different just to the naked eye, right? Um, But does it feel different as as part of it? Well, I mean, I think um, one of the things that we got way better at this last game is just being able to have time of possessions and also just being able to run close to 70 plays. I think when you have a chance to be able to run over 60 plays, you have a chance to really be able to see what your offense is doing and what your offense is like. 
Um, like the last couple of games, we were like at 40-something right. plays. not and even so out there. It's hard to really be able to get things going. And last year, it was pretty similar, you know. So I think the tough part is we were super explosive last year, but we didn't get the ball as much. And so, you know, but this year we're able to stay on the stay on offense for a numerous amount of time, and we're still trying to figure out how to find those explosive plays. But just based off of the teams that we've played, they've tried to limit explosives. They haven't really been trying to give it up. And I think if you want to be able to be a great team, these are the things that you have to learn early, just being able to take what a team gives you, throw the ball short, work the ball downfield, score on 12 to 15 play drives, because any team at any given moment can score on a – one play, two play, yeah. three play drive. But when you have teams that are like, nope, you're going to have to beat us like in play drives, that's when you got to be able to answer the call. And I think that's what we've been doing on offense. Yeah, I love the way the offense looks, man. I like the, the variety of it. I like the play action, the tight ends getting involved. And I ain't going to lie, I didn't know what to expect from Gino. I'm like, all right, let's 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 see what Gino does. Now, he's been in the program for, what, four years now. You've got mm-hmm. to see him at practice. Us on the outside looking in, we're like, man, Russell's gone. What is it going to look like? Is he doing what you thought he was going to do, or is he exceeding expectations a little bit? Yeah, I think he's doing what everybody thought he was going to be able to do. I think – a lot of people just kind of forget about Gino because he hasn't really had the same opportunity as a lot of other people to be able to come in and play right away. And so he's kind of had to wait his turn and he's been around a lot of great quarterbacks and he's been sitting behind a lot of great quarterbacks. And so for him to finally get his opportunity, I mean, he's just taken it and ran with it. And, you know, a lot of it is just about being able to make sure you're on the same page with your quarterback, being able to build that chemistry um, you know, you do that whether you come in at OTAs or whether you come in at camp. You spend time after that. You have those conversations mentally about what what his IQ is, what your IQ is, understanding um, defensive schemes, how corners are, back, are about to play, like all that different type of stuff. It all plays into it. But, I mean, he's done a great job just being able to get everybody involved, um, being able to go through like his reads. So that way, like if teams are trying to take me and DK out, it's like everybody else is able to get involved. And so it makes it harder for teams to figure out what to be able to do because we're giving a ball to each and every person. And so it helps us as an offense because now we can be creative. We can be able to set people up. We can do whatever it is that we want. It was interesting uh, when you were mic'd up in the the Denver game and I saw some of that. And one of the, the things that you did, you kind of figured out Russ's little signals and things oh, like that. Yeah. So that pretty much was that just with Russ or are you tr- always trying to kind of help out? Do you notice little things now that you're a veteran, you know, uh, kind of things that go on during the, during the game that you can help out the defense or your, you know, some of the things that their defense gives away to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's stuff that I've known or stuff that I've seen, like I try to help out, give that type of um, advice or whatever, but still tell them to kind of do you because I don't want to steer anybody in the wrong direction. I mean, when we played the Broncos for the first game, I mean, it was a little different because it's like you're wondering if they're going to use similar signals or not. And then you want to be, you know, you want to be able to point it out because it's like, if they are, you want to be able to let people know that it's coming. And so, I mean, a lot of people on the outside aren't going to see the same signals, you know, because signals are so subtle and you won't even know that people are doing signals if you're just watching the game because you don't even know what to look for, you know. And so um, I think the biggest thing was just making sure kind of like if we saw something, boom, letting them know so that way if it comes across again, we're able to be prepared for it. And so, um, I mean, that game I was able to help out a little bit. I forgot I was mic'd up. So (laughs) it's like Seahawks were able to use that, you know. But 
Um, then when you go into other games, I mean, you kind of give ideas about, you know, how quarterbacks are or um, if it's certain receivers that I see or how they play. Like if we're going against a team that is kind of like had a similar offense as us, you're able to kind of talk to them and tell them what to expect and how to see it. So it's it's little stuff like that. Well, really quick, what was the thing that you picked up on that Russ was doing? It was a, a signal for a go route oh, or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been focusing on just the progress of the team. You know what I'm saying? I've seen, what, 47 plays, 49, then 69, getting better on third downs, opening up the pass game. We look at the team. I tell people, like, don't even worry about the record. Like, what does this team look like week by week? How do you feel like the team is moving? You feel like we're going in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're headed in a great direction. Um, That was one of the things that Sanjay, our receiver coach, said was just focus on being able to get better each week as an offense and, the record will be what the record will be, but we could be able to be so great on offense. And, I mean, you seen when we started off against the Broncos, how the offense was looking, and we were told that they had one of the best defenses in the league. And we were doing phenomenal, especially in the first half. Obviously, we only had the ball like three times in the second half. And so um, we moved the ball down, and then we kind of gave it up, and then we moved the ball down again, and then we punted, and then we punted. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. We still did a great job moving the ball down the field when we're on the two-yard line, and now we take it to the 50. Mm -hmm. And so then you go against San Fran, and we kind of hurt ourselves on the early downs. But even on the third downs, we're not getting the third downs, but we're still catching the ball and getting it close to where it was third and two or to where it was – I mean, fourth and two or fourth and one. And so the completions weren't the issues on third down. It was just we were hurting ourselves early on. And so then you go from there to the Falcons and – you know, we're able to run the ball a lot better. We're able to pass the ball a lot better. We're able to find the open holes. We're able to, like, um, make plays after the catches. And so now it's like being able to consistently build that up. So San Fran, it was like, man, we would buy a field goal if we could. You know, and in <laughs> Atlanta we get field goals. And now it's like, okay, let's turn those into touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. Know? So it's not stressing about, oh, the Seahawks haven't scored a touchdown in the second half. It's about – how can we continue to get better and just put points up on the board? Because as long as we can do that, we give ourselves a chance. Well said. I know we got to let him go. But yeah. Why do you say guard instead of cover? When somebody is covering oh, you, why Dave. do you say they're D- guarding D- You don't have to. Oh, Dave. Because <laughs> <laughs> they can't guard you. That's why, Dave. <laughs> can't well, guard I think, me. <laughs> I, think guarding, I think guarding is more so like when you're a man. Okay. You know, like the defense says, I have to guard you. <laughs> Offense says right. he has to cover me. <laughs> I, I, <reach laughs> Tyler. Like, I you, always say they're not called guardages; they're called coverages. But <laughs> you you're a guard a, guy. I know Josh Jones is a, is a cover guy. We're gonna talk to. We're him gonna now. yeah. We're gonna yeah. talk to Josh Jones. Uh, you've had a very long week. You have a busy week ahead of you. We're gonna let you go. Okay. Ignore Wyman. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. No problem. Appreciate you. All right. Dave, speaking of Josh Jones, yes. uh, he is going to be joining us in just one minute here. And uh, we uh, then uh, after Josh, we're going to um, talk a little bit, maybe see if we can uh, take a listen in uh, to Gino. Josh Jones, by the way, has uh, been starting in place of an injured Jamal Adams. It is Josh Jones's season now. And he joins us right now on the huddle. Uh, Josh, yeah. obviously, you you know how this works. You're a veteran. Mm. Not your first time, right. you know, being thrown out there. Were there yeah. any nerves, though, because it was unexpected? No, nah, it's not any nerves. Um, But I do have to, you know, just play my game and then play a little bit more free. I felt like I didn't do that, um, you know, last week. So mm-hmm. just going out there and um, just, just kind of having a, you know, just a free, you know, mindset and let my – 
mind and my body just flow. Did you hear the conversation we had with Tyler just now? About guard. Dave, are you going to ask the same question? Uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. have Josh I, I, on. And I, Josh. Think, I think you – I, I don't know. Somebody asked me that before. I think it was, was a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, you asked me that a couple <laughs> yeah. weeks ago. Um, oh, my God. And this is what I said. I said when you're working with other guys, it's, it's, it's coverage. Yeah. Um, it's not called a guardage. It's called no, a coverage. No, we don't. So you cover. You don't guard. Right? That's that's true. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I agree right. with you. Don't let them force you into that. No, no. Hey, we agree. We agree okay. last time. We did. All right. Yeah. I'm, just, right. I'm just trying to get people to agree with me. <laughs> right, right. You, you had a great story, man. And we, yeah. we talked about it on our show, a couple, like you said, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it was just really inspiring. And, and really, you know, a lot of it had to do with um, just the, the power of Pete Carroll. And yeah. how he is just Absolutely. such a... Such a great um, motivator. Mm-hmm. I always, you know, said, like, ah, I wish I would have could have played for him because right. he just he brings more out of people than most. No and question. You got a you got a pretty good uh, cool story about the it was the night before the Arizona, Arizona game, game last yeah. year that you uh, kind of tell us take us oh, through yeah. that a little bit because you were you know thinking about well yeah I got yeah kids and- yeah so uh, I mean uh, you know when I got here um, obviously um, you know I got here you know kind of late in the season and then um, you know. First, you know, those first three weeks and then the last week, um, you know, things happened like the COVID issue. And, um, you know, they came to me. I think it was like a Thursday. It may have been a Friday. I know it was like a little late in the week. It probably like probably around today. They were like, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be you're going to be you'll be playing a lot. You're going to be possibly starting. Um, so I'm like, all right, cool. Um, uh, so ran through the playbook. Um, and then, like, the night before, you know, uh, before, like, snack or whatever, you know, me and Pete, you know, we ran into each other, and, um, you know, we just had a conversation, man. And he just said, no matter what happens, good or bad, just go out there. It's just football and just play. Just be free. You know, you don't have to make it bigger than what it is. You don't have to press. Um, just, just play. And this is what I did. Um, and I had a pretty good – I think I had a pretty good game. It was yeah. – I had a pretty good game to never have been playing with those yeah. guys and to yeah. never be in that system. And um, and that, that's kind of what I got to – I think I got to get back to, you know, now. Yeah. Man, I watch you play, and I, I see a little bit of everything, man. I yeah. see coverage. I mm-hmm. see you getting in the box. And, Hell, and, no, I got to be better in coverage, man. I ain't going to lie to you. Right. Well, I see you <laughs> I, I see yeah. you getting your hands on the ball a couple of times. So, you, yeah. you're in the right coverage at the right place at the yeah. right time. Yeah. Uh, when – you, if you were to describe your game to somebody mm-hmm. who's never seen you play, yeah. how would you describe it? No, man, I'm just a, a football player. Uh, I, I, just, I feel like, man, I can, you know, just whatever whatever is needed. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not a I'm not a finesse guy, and I'm not like a a, a guy like a Cam Chancellor. So it's kind of like a like an in between. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I can I can be a guy that that can be physical, and you know, I can be a guy that can be you know versatile and you know play in the half or you know quarters coverage, whatever it may be. Yep. So I I just feel like you know it's it's just a just the way God blessed me, you know I'm able to do certain things. Uh, we heard Jamal came out and and gave everybody mm-hmm. a, a big speech and everything. I think he was in a wheelchair or something like that yeah. when he got hurt. But is he uh, is he in your ear? Do you, does he? Coach you up a little bit? No, nah, not not. I haven't, uh, you know, spoken to Jamal, you know, since you know, um, you know, the injury happened. Um, um, you know, I'm still obviously wishing him the best, you know, for a speedy recovery. You got some really good coaches, though, don't you? I mean, Amazing. listening to Carl Scott and <laughs> no, Desai, K, K Scott, mean, man, and 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 Sean Desai, man, they, those are you know, and that's no disrespect to the coaches that I've had because I've had some amazing coaches, you know, in my past, uh, but you know. I would say those two are the best coaches I've I've had, you know, DB wise. 
All right. He is Seahawks safety, Josh Jones. Uh, Josh, thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we get to talk to you again later this season with a bit more time. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Do not go anywhere. This is The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Let's take a listen in to Geno Smith. I think we're still learning. Um, You know, the first three weeks have kind of been up and down. Uh, We've had, you know, a lot of stretches where we've been really good. And then we've had some stretches where we haven't really moved it much. Um, and a lot of that, I think, is on us. You know, I think things that we can clean up. But overall, man, we, I, you know, I feel like the guys are locked in. Everyone's, you know, been together. and You know, the brotherhood and all the things that we talk about in the offseason is really showing up. So, you know, guys are really just, you know, banding together. And, uh, you know, you just see the leadership showing up, you know, again and again out there on the field, uh, in the practice field, in the, in the meeting rooms. And uh, overall, man, I think we're still learning about ourselves. But... Uh, so far, you know, I think we did some great things and then some things we have to clean up as well. Took some big steps last week on offense, but the red zone still looks like it's an issue. 25% of the time scoring touchdowns so far in the first two games. Mm-hmm. What do you think is holding the offense back inside the 20 right now? Um, you know, I just think we need to finish. We get into the red zone, we just got to go out there and finish. We got to score touchdowns in the red zone. Can't um, just be happy with settling with field goals, uh, obviously. You know, there's going to be things happen, and um, there's been things that have happened where we've shot ourselves in the foot here and there. But for the most part, man, you know, we just got to finish. It just comes down to our want to and our will to finish in the red zone. You've been here for years. What about the way you guys handle travel? I mean, living in Seattle, every game seems like a long trip. Yeah. Those early games, in theory, should be tough because you're getting up early. But what do you think allows you guys to play well at 10 a.m.? Well, this to me, I think Coach has a, has put together a great schedule for us going on the road. Um, we do a lot of two day two day trips, especially going to the East Coast. And uh, you know, I think uh, you know Coach just does a great job of getting us ready. Um, you got guys like our strength staff who are just fired up in the mornings on game day. You can hear them yelling from your room, and there's music blasting. Uh, the environment's up tempo, and so you know when you know when the games come about man like you, you got no choice but to wake up and be ready and i think the two day trips help a little bit too as well but um for the most part man it's all coach and, and his staff and the way they get us prepared what did you see and how did detroit kind of shut down justin jefferson last week and would you expect them to do something like that against you guys at all yeah they uh you know they doubled him um they played man and they played great coverage um you know it's the reality they played great coverage on justin and uh he's a great player um, and we have great players on our side as well, so we expect to see some of the s- same things. Uh, you know, if it works, they're going to try it again in- until we can solve it. And so uh, we-, we can expect some doubles and a lot of man coverage, and, you know, we just got to be ready to go out there and win. Um, you know, we got a lot of great guys, really good receivers all over the place who can go out there and make plays happen for us. So getting those guys involved as well as getting DK the ball when, you know, when the opportunity arises um, is going gonna, is gonna to pay off, I think. Having a DK and a Tyler really pays off of you know, two kind of number one guys, or if they want to yeah. put that tension on one guy, it frees up the other. Yeah, yeah, I think just having DK, Tyler, Marquise, D, Noah, you know, Will Disley, Kobe Parkinson, I mean, just, you know, a, a multitude of guys who can go out there and get it done. Um, our backs as well in the, in, in the receiving game. So just having a bunch of guys out there and multiple, multiple options, I think, really gives us a good chance. There's something unique on film about the way Detroit dials up uh, blitzes uh, versus how the teams do it? Uh, yeah, they have a lot of uniqueness to them. Um, you know, uh, Coach Glenn does a great job at uh, mixing up the looks and, you know, getting, you know, some some non-normal matches out there, some things for you to look at, mugging guys up at the line of scrimmage. So they got a bunch of different looks, and then there'll be some things that we haven't seen on film. You know, it's still early in the season, so I'm pretty sure they have some things up their sleeve as well. So we just got to be ready 
for whatever they throw at us. Um, we're preparing for it. And, you know, we've done a great job, you know, the past few games of picking up blitzes and recognizing things. And our communication has been great as well. So we just got to continue that and just be ready to, uh, you know, for whatever else they have for us. Derek, during a normal week of game prep, do you guys do, like, blitz work every day? Or is that, like, a Friday thing? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we try and do it every day. I, I mean, that's the first thing I watch when I watch film is all their pressures and see where it's coming from and how they, you know, what the fronts look like and how they do it. And so we talk pressures every single day. I mean, as you know, they can call a blitz on any play. It doesn't have to be third down. So um, we're, we're always just trying to find new looks and figure out ways to, um, you know, solve those problems. Did you watch Hard Knocks at all? Not at all. Do you remember what happened 10 years ago today? Not at all. What would happen? <laughs> Ten uh, years ago? Baylor and uh, West Virginia, 1763. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a fun one. That was a fun game. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. It was our first game. That was the first game, West Virginia in the Big 12. And, uh, you know, they were. it was a good game against Baylor. We happened to get the win. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. How <laughs> do things change with your, your third down offense at all without Travis being out there? Oh, uh, man. Travis is. Uh, you know, he, he's a big loss for us. Um, you know, Travis does a great job in protections as well as catching out of the backfield. And, uh, you know, he's really having a, you know, he had a great preseason, was having a strong season, uh, start to the season. So, um, you know, but we have guys who can pick it up. DJ Dallas is another guy who can step right in and, and, and fill those shoes. Uh, you know, we got Penny, of course, and then, um, you know, Ken Walker as well. So, uh, obviously, we, you know, we'll miss Travis, and he's a big part of our team. But, um you know, having those other guys as well really, really helps us out. How has your experience helped you think this through game? Uh, say it one more time. How do you think your experience, the fact this is your second full-time starting game, how do you think that's shown up in games to help you? I mean, I, I don't know how to answer that one. Um, I, I feel like just my experience in 10 years in the league, I've, I've seen a lot of football. I've been around a lot of football and just in, over the course of my life, really. And so, uh, you know, experience is the best professor. You learn a lot from your experiences. And, uh, you know, me being in the league for this long, um, I just feel like, you know, the game slowed down quite a bit for me. I feel like uh, I can anticipate things a lot. And uh, for the most part, man, like, you know, every game's a new game. Every week's a new week. So there's going to be different challenges and new things that you got to learn from. But, uh, you know, I just feel really good about where I'm at right now. All right, coming up next, we are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts. Don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle. The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. We are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts joining us right now. First of all, Ray, very excited to talk to you today. Unfortunately, we have to talk about the Seahawks coming off of a loss. What went wrong in this one? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, for the for the most part, the, the defense couldn't come up with some stops. And then obviously down the stretch there, uh, you know, the holding call against Damien just kind of really uh, th- threw, a, threw a wrench in how things were going. But I was, I was impressed with the way the offense, uh, they kept, kept talking about all week about the offense being opened up. And it wasn't just throwing the ball deep, but it was just kind of really opening the playbook to all the different plays and the different weapons. And so really like that. Uh, could use uh, a little more, pressure on the quarterback from the uh, from the defense and a little more playmaking in the run game to kind of uh, get off the field on third down. Ray, we saw Rashad Penny get 14 touches, but I want to say the most explosive play on the ground was from Ken Walker III. It was on that little jet sweep. He gained 21 mm-hmm. yards. Um, do you think we need to see more of Ken Walker in the run game, and how do you think they get Rashad going this week? Well, I, I think they, we need to see more of Rashad Penny in the run game. Uh, I mean, this dude finished with his hair on fire 
last year. I mean, if you just took the last five games, he was probably one of the top two or three running backs in the league. I think he rushed for like 700 yards or something in five games. And uh, we just haven't been able to see him. Uh, we've seen him get loose a little bit. He had a couple long calls called back on, I mean, long runs called back on holding calls. Uh, but we haven't seen them feed him the ball. And maybe, you know, he didn't take as many game reps in the preseason, so maybe they're building him up to it. But uh, he needs to get upwards of 18 carries or something just to get himself established. He's kind of a volume runner. And as he's starting to get into a rhythm with the offensive line, then all of a sudden they go away from him. So I think if the Seahawks want to be successful this week, they have to really feature um, uh, Rashad Penny and then do those things that they were also doing uh, with the with Ken Walker, yeah. Hey Ray, tell us a little bit. First of all, if you think that that was, I didn't think it was an egregious holding call on on Damian Lewis, but yeah, technically probably should have got his hands inside a little bit more, or whatever. But on that play, it was kind of weird because it was that throwback screen, and it looked like you had almost the entire offensive line over there. And if you go back and look at it, which I know you have, there's like guys that are kind of like just jogging or just standing around like they didn't know that it was going to happen. And, and that was like the most devastated penalty of, uh, of the game. And they would have been first and 10 at the 10 yard line, I think. But um, yeah, well, there, there was there? a lot going on on what well, was a lot going on on that play, Dave. And uh, it took my eyes a while to catch up to where the ball was going. And uh, when you're standing out there that long, you know, you're 300 and some pounds, you're trying to, you know, play and block against these little dudes that are quick and fast and more athletic in space, uh, you start to, you tend to kind of reach out and want to gather people and just grab so they don't get away from you. And so I think that's where Damien kind of got uh, uh, stuck on that as his hands was a little bit outside the frame of the body. But when you're trying to stand there and, and play uh, you know, basketball with a guy that's more athletic than you, you just try to grab him any way you can. And then that little, just that little bit of, uh, separation where the defender tried to pull back and you saw the cloth, that's what created the holding call. But uh, that that took a lot. I think probably the reason the guys were kind of slow playing it was because it took a long time for that play to develop. And so, unfortunately, you know, you can see that holding call 20, 30 times, you know, a game and it, it doesn't get called, but it got called in that situation and really hurt, really hurt the team. I'm excited to read this stat for both your reaction and Dave's. Pro Football Focus has the Seahawks with the their 31st in run blocking, according to their grade from Pro Football Focus. And, Ray, it's kind of weird because when they have run the ball, to my eyes, right, as just a viewer who's never played mm-hmm. offensive line in my life, I've thought, you know what, it seems more like just a lack of rushes and carries as opposed to, you know, Penny not looking good when he's out there. Um, when you watch this offensive line and, and Penny in tandem, is the issue the opportunities or is the issue play along the interior offensive line? Well, I, I would say it's the opportunities. I mean, because uh, Penny is averaging almost four and a half yards a carry. And so then and he's only touching the ball probably an average of, you know, less than, you know, 13 times a game. And so I think in order to build that stat up, to, 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 you, you have to get more yardage and get more opportunities and get into a rhythm that you can really uh, get, you know, the defense on their heels. And so then your blocking is all the better. Uh, but I do think the way the Seahawks have uh, opened up the offense, it, you know, throwing the ball, using the tight ends, like the all three tight ends uh, had a reception and like at least two receptions in two of the three games, uh, using DK and Tyler and then the fly sweep. With, I mean, all the different things that they're doing, the, the one thing they just have not opened the box completely on is the run game. And so I, I really hope that that's part of what they do this week 
because if you look at the Detroit Lions defensive line, they have some uh, some good players, but that's not a whole lot of production there. Uh, Hutchinson, the rookie, is kind of leading them in sacks. I think he has three sacks, but uh, other than that, like there's no one that's super dangerous there. To, you know, and so I think they really do need to lean on this offense a little bit on the offensive line and get this running game going to kind of complement what they're doing uh, with the passing game, and then it also gives you more uh, time of possession to keep the defense fresh and on the sideline. It, their rush defense has given up 142 game uh, yards a game. So, yeah, yes. I think it, it's kind of interesting how these the stats-wise, although their offense is actually, I think, second or something, you know, and their passing game is pretty good. Dopey, Jared Goff somehow getting it done there. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like this is going to be one of those uh, ones where, you know, you really test yourself to see who's more physical. And we, we all saw, you know, hard knocks and, you know, it seems like it's a physical team, Ray. I mean, it seems like that's kind of their, their grit, their, you know, they sort mm-hmm. of embody what their their coach uh, is all about. But, yeah, I think that this could be one where it, it's really all about being physical, it feels like to me. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a street fight for real. Like uh, I've said before, like when Dan Campbell first came on the scene, I wasn't sure if uh, if he was the dude you because know, he was the guy talking about biting the kneecaps and things. And yeah. And uh, and that stuff sounds good in the press conference, but it's like, but the team is really bought into who he is, and I think yeah. uh, they play that way, and they and that's how the city of Detroit is tough, gritty, yeah. resilient uh, city, and so they you kind of it. they are reflective of that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> played there for six years, and so um, I do think though that it you know they make up for a lot of things through their hustle, uh, through their even if you look at the rookie Hutchinson that they drafted, he kind of epitomizes. The mentality, if you watch him on tape, he's not the most explosive dude. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the the strongest dude, but he is like going 20, I mean, a million miles an hour the entire play. So you can't like think you have him blocked and give up because he'll end up making a play. I think that's how he got like at least two or the three sacks he has is just kind of hustle sacks. And so the whole team seems to uh, seems to play that well. And in a, in a run game, if they're able to get their running game established, then, you know, we've seen in the past, that golf can then take advantage of that with the play action pass and pushing the ball down the field and all those kinds of things. So uh, their their offense scores 31 points a game. Their defense gives up 31 points a game. So so uh, the the Seahawks are going to have to really uh, be on their on their game in the front seven. Like they need Daryl Taylor, they need uh, Puna Ford, they need uh, Monet, they need uh, Jordan Brooks and Cody Cody uh, Barton. They all of those guys need to be playmakers and not just be in the spots they're supposed to be, but they need to be impact players this week. Ray, the Lions give up are rushing for 170 yards per game so far. Is there anything that the Seahawks defense can do to slow them down? Well, the one thing I think that they, they may be having a little bit of a problem with is when you run kind of those three, four concepts, a lot of times the, the guards have free runs is really a, a free run to the to the linebackers, and so I think maybe trying to cover up, uh, you know, kind of eat up the, the guard in the center a little more uh, in the trenches, so that Jordan and, and Cody can have space to kind of run and fill gaps and make plays. I think that's one of the things they and the one the the first thing that impacts a running game is to get the defense to play on the on the uh, on the offensive side of the offensive line. So that means that you're getting pushed on the offensive line in the middle. The running back has to make a decision as he's getting the ball. He wants to he has to make a cut before he wants to, all those kinds of things. And then you have to have those secondary guys uh, filling those gaps and fitting in those gaps to kind of put the stop on. 
I think, uh, you know, Johnson uh, Jr. and Mafe uh, playing on the edge. I think we'll probably see more of that because they set the edges better, and those edges are going to keep getting tested until we're until they prove that they can stop it. Uh, so those types of things are going to have to happen to slow this run game down. Remember the big session we had, Ray, at um, Interlake High School when we were getting ready to play? Who was the team that ran the fly sweep, the, the high school team? Uh, uh, was that Liberty? Liberty. Thank you. And remember, you and I had set up that whole drill of how to protect the perimeter and always turn it back inside and keep your shoulder square. I feel like the, the Seahawk defense needs to have one of those kind of clinics. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey if, they, if they toss us a few bones, Dave, you know, we can go out there and, and knock it out for them. Like I always say, like, like Dave said, sometimes you got to be the traffic cop and turn them back into the bad guys. That's what we kept trying to tell them. The and then you get up right. and then the guy that, the guy that turned it back to the bad guys, and you made the tackle, you get up and you shake his hand first. And go yes, like, thank exactly. you. <laughs> there we go. All right. All yeah. He is Ray Roberts. You can Thanks, hear him Ray. on the Seahawks pre and post game show and every Thursday when we go in the trenches with Ray Roberts. Thanks, Ray. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. All right. We're going to bring on the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, next. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel and Rabes. I wish we had a better game to talk about, but we do have an exciting one to preview at least. First, though, I got to start with looking back. It was not the best performance from the defense. Does this feel like stuff they can fix this season? Well, it does. And you know what's interesting? Because I'm, I'm going to uh, interview Pete in a little while. And one of my questions to him, sort of, if you can call it a question, uh, but basically was after the game, right after the game, and everybody was bummed, you know, the way it ended the other night. But uh, I, I said to some people who, who were listening, and not many people do, uh, that, uh, you know, I was encouraged in some ways. There were some positives to take out of that game, offensively especially. I saw some things on defense that were getting better and, and some things that needed work. And then I listened to Pete on the way home, and Pete said the same thing. He said, you know what? It wasn't all bad. He said, we, you know, I, he felt kind of positive about some things. Now, there's lots to correct, but – you know, that's why you play these games. It's not like we're two and 12, uh, you know, we're one and two right now. And, and there's still the whole season ahead of you. So you got lots of time to get well. And, but you gotta, you, you know, you have to make the corrections and the guys have to understand it and then execute it. Seems like it's going to be a fist fight uh, out in uh, Thoy Ray Roberts put it. I think he's right. I mean, you look at, uh, you got to be really physical in this game in uh, Detroit. They're pretty similar as far as, other than their offense is, is pretty high-powered. But um, they still have a dope running their offense. I'm sorry. Jared Goff. Yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not buying him. No love lost him. for Jared Goff from <laughs> yeah. Wyoming, Rabes. But, I mean, it but seems he's like. played pretty well now, Dave. He's yeah, I know. Pretty well. I know. Well, and maybe that's his home. But, you know, he found the right place and everything. But, yeah, it does seem like it's a very fundamental. And, Rabes, I talked to Dan Miller, the, the uh, play-by-play guy. Uh, on radio yeah. and he said you know that whole thing about um you know the dan campbell talking about biting kneecaps he said that was like 40 seconds of the press conference but the rest of the 30 or 40 minutes you know everybody just fell in love with him and really uh, decided that that guy is he's he's the real deal it's not some kind of act that he's put on but it just seems like at the hallmark of, of that team the lions is physicality yeah. Yeah. And, and you can see then just by listening to him and, you know, we watched him on hard knocks and you saw how he reacted and, and, and what he's like around the players because he was a player. He was a player for a dozen years 
Yeah. And he would be, you know, in the dictionary under journeyman, that's him. He was not a star. Uh, most people wouldn't have known his name other than the fact that he was kind of a backup guy uh, doing his thing with, with a, a number of different teams. But he learned along the way from coaches, and he learned what he wanted to do and what he didn't want to do as a coach. And he's true to himself. I mean, he is a in that way, he, he molds these young guys. He gets them to play hard. And he reminds me, you know, a lot of the way Pete treats his players. He lets them be themselves. You better perform, but he lets that come out in them. And even Dixie said it yesterday that, you know, there was a time during the last regime when he got traded to the Seahawks that that wasn't the case, that you had to conform to the coach. Well, that coach is no longer there. That's what led to Dan Campbell, and it led to Diggs being here and leading the way for us on defense. So there's a lot of good things to talk about, and they're building a heck of a team. You know, you can't draft as high as they have over the last half dozen years or so and not have some pretty good football players. So uh, it is. It's going to be a, it's going to be a dogfight. They're really banged up. When you looked at that yeah. uh, injury list from yesterday, uh, I don't know how big it's going to be today, but they're going to be missing a number of their really key players, and that's going to be a good thing for the Seahawks. What's up, Rabes? <laughs> What's up, Bob? Hey, I'm just, just checking in on a you. Personal conversation? Uh, you know, I'm just checking on my guy, Rabes, real quick, saying hello to the legend. Hey, man, um, are you – I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I – am 100% bought in that Geno Smith can continue to play the way that he's been playing. I know guys have bad games, right? Tom Brady has bad games. Pat Mahomes has bad games. Are you bought in? Do you think this is this is Geno? We can expect um, consistency in his play throughout the season. I, I, I do, and, and mostly it's because of what they're asking of him. Um, you know, he knows the offense. He, he understands the timing of, of getting the ball out of his hands. Um, he's already made it a point, And I think Shane Waldron has uh, really pressed on this. Keep the tight ends involved. That's a great way to get the ball out of your hands and get positive yards rather than standing there waiting for something to happen downfield. When you know they're playing shell coverage and they're, they've got a safety over the top trying to take away any kind of deep throws. So, yeah, I think as long as he continues, you know, the, okay, the ball got away from him the other day, the last throw of the game. And that was unfortunate. I think he got hit too, just as he was getting rid of the ball. But uh, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, he's going to, I think, be uh, in the good graces of Pete because that's the number one thing, protect the ball. And, and he's doing a good job of that. And, and he commands the huddle, all those things that you need him to be, uh, he's doing. Uh, so um, I, I think it's a plus. If everybody else can play up to the kind of level that Gino's giving them right now, which may not be the level of a, of a, you know, Aaron Rodgers or something like that. But if, if you're playing up to the level Geno's playing at and you're protecting the ball, we can win a lot of football games. Hey, hey Ribs, do you remember as a player that, like, when things just click for you? Barely. Was, yeah, well, I know it was 100 years ago, but. Uh, it was, yes. But, you know, we saw Ken Walker, and I think we talked about this during the broadcast. I think that's the first fly sweep that we saw them run uh, this year. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but um, I don't know. I, I felt like on that play and the way he got up and celebrated, I feel like the game maybe has slowed down for him, and maybe that's that's something that uh, to to kind of look for. Like, uh, and I don't know if you remember that as a as a player. Is like once you do something like that, you know, you put it in your back pocket, and it's like 
you know, hey, I got this. The game game has slowed down for me. Is that kind of what you yeah what you've seen yes. saw from him? Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's funny. I was talking to a, a guy from uh, radio in uh, in Detroit just today, and he was asking me uh, about Ken Walker because he's you know obviously watched him back there at Michigan State, and right. he just wowed everybody back there the way he played. And I said, and he's wowed us at times, but I said. Pete also said, you know, he, he, we're enthusiastic about him and his enthusiasm, but we'd be more enthusiastic if, if we know he's going to do the right thing. You know, he went the wrong way now once or twice in games uh, on, a, on a handoff, yeah. inside handoff, and you can't do that. Your quarterback gets hammered. But, boy, has he shown that, that ability to stop, start, uh, jump cut, uh, cut back against the grain, the speed, all the things – that we could see in practice and that we saw on, on film from his Michigan state days, he's got, now it's just a matter of getting him in there. And, you know, Penny is playing as great too, uh, putting his head and shoulder pads down yeah. and, and making, uh, making some room when there's no room. So I think they make a really good um, uh, one, two punch. And I'd like to see him get the ball a little bit more and, and in space too, you know, the little flare pass out into the flat, get that ball in your hands and then let him do something outside. Uh, I think he's got just uh, all kinds of ability and we just need to see it. You can hear him on the call this weekend alongside our own Dave Wyman. He is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Rabes, thanks so much. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right, I guys. I like the way you put that alongside me. It's alongside. Really, it's like Rabel's just kind of my sidekick. <laughs> Look, he's going to be there he's with there. Wyman, but don't worry. In between Wyman talking, you can hear Steve Rabel. Uh, Steve Rabel mentioned the Lions are banged up, and they are. They had six offensive starters mispractice yesterday. We'll check in on their status and find out more about this team with Danny Rogers next. This is The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now for an opponent preview, it is Danny Rogers of the Detroit Lions official website. She reports for them, does some awesome videos. Danny, the first thing I have to ask is maybe the most boring question, but probably the most important there in Detroit. You guys are pretty banged up as a squad. Uh, are there any starters who may miss Sunday? Hi, yes. I know you guys have to get this question out of the way first, so let's let's get it over with. It is looking like... Um, running back number one, DeAndre Swift, will not be playing in this game. He, he's he been a little banged up for the past two weeks. He, he's dealing with an ankle and shoulder injury then right now. And then wide receiver number one, Amon Ross St. Brown, second year in the NFL, who has really shown up for the UC Detroit Lions in that past game. It doesn't look like he will play either. Both of those guys have not practiced in the last two days. Um, DJ Chark has been on the injury report list. Uh, he's he's a, another one of those big target receivers that the Lions love. He was downgraded to not practicing today after being limited yesterday with an ankle. Um, but good news. Good news in that past game. <laughs> Wide receiver Josh Reynolds, he is battling an ankle injury. He didn't practice yesterday. However, he was limited today. He was back at practice. So that, that's some good news, right? Yeah, great news. Great news. What about, talk to me about Jamal Williams. Yes, Swift is not going to be in the game, but He's a serviceable back. What's their confidence like in Williams? This this running back's room, Deuce Daly, he is uh, the running back's run pass game coordinator. He loves Jamal Williams. You always, when you talk about these running backs, you always say, okay, you have DeAndre Swift. He is Swifty. However, the swaggy to DeAndre Swift's Swiftiness is Jamal Williams. He's so swaggy in this part. Um, they have been giving him a larger load this season to start with. Um, we're only three games into the season. He's already had two games with 
with multi touchdowns with with two touchdowns apiece. He had two against Minnesota right now. So the confidence is high in him. They know they, they can handle everything. Um, they're going to bring Craig Reynolds in at, at running back number two this week, who saw a good amount of time last year when Swift was also injured then. Um, and then it's kind of a toss-up between who that RB, that running back number three is, if it'll be Maurice Alexander or Jamar Jefferson. Um, but Detroit Lions love Jamal. He loves them back. Um, sixth year in this league, he knows what he's doing, and he can easily adapt to that starting position. Hey, Danny, uh, we, we loved watching um, the Hard Knocks. That was one of my favorites, but one of the, the stars, Malcolm Rodriguez, Rodrigo, uh, is how's he looking? And, you know, it, it looks like that guy kind of embodied what Dan Campbell wanted to get done during camp, and that was be physical. I mean, that guy was just everywhere hitting people. What kind of a, an effect has he had as a, as a rookie? I will tell you that this staff really wanted to keep Malcolm Rodriguez, a.k.a. Rodrigo, under wraps. But the Hard Knocks crew pushed to make sure that he was in those episodes. And hello, world. Here's Rodrigo, six-round pick out of Oklahoma State, who has an awesome story um, with what he was able to do in college. And then now in the NFL, you see him hip-tossing veterans like Jason Kelsey. Um, So he brings a lot of physicality to the game that is no-brainer. It's just the level that he's doing it with as a rookie is, is really impressive. Week one, he had no missed assignments, uh, which is kind of insane in the NFL for any player, for any veteran. So to have a rookie come in there, not miss an assignment, not make mental errors, and uh, and be able to affect the quarterback on a lot of plays and, and affect just be around the ball was huge. Um, so Rodrigo is fitting in very well into that starting linebacker position. Very high expectations, uh, but this defense, they need to elevate themselves. Uh Bottom towards the bottom of the league in a lot of categories. Rodrigo's got to be a catalyst for them. You've got another rookie, defensive end Aiden Hutchinson. Um, he came out and had had three sacks already this season in one game. So they definitely rely on those two rookies, which which is a lot. It's a very young defense, um, but to take a lot of this load. So the people love Rodrigo. The staff loves Rodrigo as well. Uh, Danny, we're plenty familiar with Jared Goff, having seen him here for the LA Rams mm-hmm. and the NFC West. Um, I, this might be the second time uh, we've seen uh, Goff with the Lions. But that being said, do you feel that uh, with Detroit, Jared Goff has found a new level of play or found a home or, or kind of found uh, a rhythm? Or, you know, is he not really the center of the offense? Um, it's the second time that, yep, you guys are seeing him with the Lions facing the Seahawks. Uh, faced you guys in a very rainy battle last year. I was thinking about this exact question, I think, yesterday. Um, I interned with the Rams back in, what, 2017 when golf was in his second year. So I've been following along pretty closely um, for the last six six years or so. It's like he was coming into the league, obviously drafted number one overall, um, and then and then built up to that caliber of being a Super Bowl quarterback where he was able to have explosive plays downfield, navigate an offense, be really functional. And, of course, you're, you're going to take a hit when, when the team that drafted you is now trading you away. Detroit is very far from Los Angeles. Um, so last year you saw him come into it, a completely new system. All these coaches were in a new system as well. Um, they really did tear apart this roster and build it back up. Um, so you saw Jared Goff get acclimated last year. He, to me, looks completely different this year. But it looks similar to when he was having the best career 
in LA when he was able to make those explosive plays downfield, when he was being really confident with an offense. I mean, Detroit is up there near the top in a lot of offensive categories. You got to give a lot of credit to the offensive line um, that is a little banged up, but not skipping a beat. You also have to give a lot of credit to Jared Goff, who I do think looks a lot more comfortable. He'll tell you he's more comfortable in this game in year two. They tweaked it to be uh, more familiar and and just better suit Goff. So to me, he he just seems like a world of difference coming into year two. Um, so I do think you're seeing him on the rise, and I think you can't. Of course, you can attribute a lot of what this explosive offense is um, to Goff, who's who's not afraid to make those downfield passes like he used to make in LA. You know, I think I. I given him a hard time because he went to Cal and I went to Stanford and then he didn't know which side uh, of the earth that the sun came <laughs> up and said, and, and I don't know if you remember from hard knocks, but I, I, I really like him. I think he's, I think he's a, a good quarterback, but it, what about his leadership? Is he kind of stepping into that role a little bit more? Cause I felt like with, with Sean McVay, there wasn't really room for it almost. Yeah. I'm not totally sure what the dynamic turned out to be in LA with, with Goff and McVay, but but Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator here in Detroit, and head coach Stephen Campbell have made it very clear that this is Jared Goff's offense, that he has input in this offense, and they've really emphasized how player-driven this team is. So to me, Goff is the leader of this offense. There is no question about that. Um, and he's a really, really composed leader. Lions have found themselves in a lot of crunch time moments already in, uh, in Minnesota, where uh, they're trying to come up with a, a, a play at the end. They didn't end up going for it on fourth down um, like they had six previous times in the game. But if you're going to go for fourth down six times in a game, you have to have a composed quarterback who is going to just level everyone out and, and quiet them down and compose them and make them feel confident like they, they can go in it and handle their assignment. And Goff does that. Um, he has a level of swagger to him. He's, he's on the quiet side very composed side, but there's a little level of swagger that this is his offense this year. Um, and he's bringing that out, on, out onto the field as well. All right. She is Danny Rogers. You can check out her work on the Detroit Lions official website. If you guys want to do some deep diving of your own into this week's opponent, Danny, thanks so much. Thank you guys. All right, you guys, we are wrapping up the huddle with our own version of Danny Rogers. John Boyle of Seahawks.com is going to join us, and then we're going to share some final thoughts ahead of this week four matchup between the Seahawks and Lions. You are listening to the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and now John Boyle joining us uh, to wrap things up for the huddle and also share some final thoughts. So um, I'll just get started with the obvious, uh, I don't want to say elephant in the room. All of us have been talking about it all week, but it's the defense really, really struggling, letting Atlanta march down the field, uh, have allowed at least 170 rushing yards in two consecutive weeks. I am assuming, John, that you being a reporter for this team, but also uh, in all of those press conferences, it has been asked nonstop, what has Pete Carroll been saying? Yeah, I mean, that's the big topic. And the main thing that Pete Carroll keeps bringing up is eliminating the really bad plays. It's, you know, look, teams occasionally going to block up a play well, and they might get six, eight yards. You you got to stop letting guys bounce out and get these huge gains where, you know, whether it's losing their edge contain or somebody at the second level not getting off block, whatever it is, you can't be giving up the big, huge plays mm-hmm. that just – let teams get down the field quickly and easily. And we saw too much of that last week. 40 yards to Cordero Patterson, or rather carry. Yeah, Yeah. and then 18 yards the very next play. And, I mean, he had like three or four plays of, you know, 18 plus. So you got to clean that up. So, Boyle, 
Yes. How you doing? Good. How you doing? <laughs> good, man. Bob's just good. checking Mom's in. Just been, yeah, checking just in. I'm good. Good, good. good. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Only I get a chance to yeah. say hi, really. Yeah. I take it from them. I'm kind of trying to lean into that now. You know? <laughs> so um, I'm looking at the offense, and they said last week they want to open it up, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, open it up means just being as diverse as possible. See, the run game be going a little bit. Rashad had 14 carries, 23 carries overall, I believe, in the run game. Tight ends get involved. DK gets the football. Is that opening up? Is that who this team wants to be, what we saw last week offensively? I think so. I mean, they want to be better in the red zone. That was sort of the one flaw you could find in that game as they had three third and shorts they didn't get done in the red zone. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, I don't think opening it up for them with Geno Smith means just chucking it 50 yards downfield. Yeah. I know Pete Carroll referenced this on the morning show of, you know, with Russell Wilson now, it's such a strength of his game, you're going to just take all those shots. Whereas Geno's a lot better, just the accurate intermediate stuff, mm-hmm. and we saw a lot of that. So, yeah, you know, that was, I think, pretty good script of what they want to be. There's things they'd like to do better, obviously. They want to run the ball probably a little more and a little better than that. But mm-hmm. if you can move the ball like that and, again, be a little better in the red zone, you're going to win a lot of games playing that yeah. way. My memory is correct. I felt, I think that the Ken, uh, Ken Williams, Ken Walker, Fly sweep was yeah. the first fly sweep they ran this year. Do you think? I have to go back and look. They haven't run many if they have. Yeah. I mean, they've shown it plenty, but in terms of actually handing it off. I think I D just... got one. You think so? I think D, okay. or, D or Penny got one. Yeah, I, I would just think that's a that's kind of a huge part of what they what they do, and they run a lot of off of that. But as far as Walker goes, is did you see maybe, and have you heard from the coaches, like that that was like maybe the, the run that sort of – Bust it open for him? Like, he, he gets his confidence? And... I think so. I mean, I, they want to get him more involved for sure, and a play like that can definitely help. But I, there's also been some rookie mistakes that he needs to clean up, and we've seen seen oh, it yeah. in the last two games of Geno's looking one way and Walker's the other way. Mm. And, you know, those those are just wasted plays when that happens. So they're, they're going to need to fix that. But Pete Carroll is, you know, he's confident those will go away. It's just some rookie jitter slash mistakes. But, yeah, I mean, the explosiveness is so obvious every time you see him. I mean, even in the San Francisco game, some plays that look dead where he gets five yards out of it, where it's not a huge gain, but you really see his athletic ability on display. So that's where, you know, it's a lot of it they want to get Penny going, but also I think you want to be able to run the ball more so you can get both those guys involved. You have a, a couple of rookies out there, and I've actually been pleasantly surprised by the play of your two rookie tackles and oh, by yeah, Tariq Wollin sure. of you as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you can throw Kobe in there. He's been yeah. that nickel, which is pretty much a starting role the last couple of weeks. Um, boy, Mafe's role seems to be increasing every week. So, yeah, they, they love the earlier turns on that rookie class. But the tackles in particular, I mean, that and you can throw a cornerback with one of them. Those are some of the hardest non-quarterback positions to learn in the NFL and be ready to go. Mm-hmm. So for them to be holding their own, and we're not seeing, this is not where, like, the whole game plan is about protecting the tackles. We're not seeing, you know, tight ends every pass play, staying in the block or running backs every time, like, they're winning a lot of one-on-one battles and playing really well. So, you know, again, their rookies is not going to be perfect, but it bodes really well for the future that you appear to have found bookend tackles for a long time and, you know, some starting caliber quarterbacks. That's that's a big deal. Got to check in on, on our receivers, especially DK. Got 12 targets, five receptions last week. What's the temperature of DK? Is he okay? Does he – you think he understands, like, okay, this offense is going to be a bit different than the past few years? Yeah, I mean, he seems to be handling things just fine. I, I mean, look, every receiver, you, you would know this better than I would, but every receiver is going to want the ball, and they're going to, you know, you, you feel like you're open more than maybe – All the, the time. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> a good receiver is never not open, right? So, at least in their own mind. So, he's – I mean, I think the opportunities are going to keep coming. To, to me, it's more encouraging that the targets are there. I'd be more worried if – if the numbers were down and he was only getting five or six targets a yeah. game, but they're trying to get him the ball and those big plays will come. But yeah, it's, 
you know, it's it's early, and I think he's still going to be a huge part of this offense. But, yeah. you know, the touchdown, to me, plays like that are what they need is where it's just – he's not necessarily wide open, but it's like we're going to trust you yeah. that you're bigger and you're better and stronger and can outleap that guy. So yep. go make a play, and that those are those are what he's good at. We're talking to Josh Jones about how good the, the defensive coaches are. Mm-hmm. You know, Carl Scott, Sean Desai. And, you know, we're talking about – and, of course, uh, Clint Hurt, but how sometimes you'll see guys sort of – jogging around or they're they're not going full speed and to me it's always because you're thinking too much Mm -hmm. you know and do you think is that maybe kind of what you've heard a little bit are they going to try to simplify things defensively because some of the mistakes that they've made have been very basic yeah which is good news in one regard but kind of annoying yeah it's you don't want to see it but maybe it's easier to fix kind yeah. of thing yeah i think there's yeah i mean there's enough newness both in terms of scheme and also in personnel that look you don't want to go through these growing pains you would love for it to just be boom week one you're flying but i think maybe you know you're never going to admit this in august but if you could have caught you know some true serum and caught those guys in an honest moment i think they probably would have told you like look it's not going to look as good in september as it will in november when you're introducing a pretty new defense and as you said all these new coaches who are you know by all accounts great coaches brilliant minds but some new ideas and different ways of communicating and then you throw in that you're starting a bunch of new guys as well it's just taking a little bit more time than they hoped but i do think that gives you hope that it's going to look a lot better down the road all right rather than uh continuing to throw questions i wanted us all to share some final thoughts share some opinion uh as a look ahead to this game uh i kind of like changing this up every week okay it's been fun uh last week i i had us do one thing we learned mm-hmm. and one thing we're looking forward to uh so uh since last week was a loss and it was tough a silver lining from last week and uh maybe uh maybe a fun challenge that the lions will pose Silver lining. Yeah. Who wants to go first? I'm really confused right now. I will go first. (laughs) I will go first. We need an example. Okay. A silver lining from last week uh, I thought was uh, was Geno's day. And I thought he was efficient, uh, still completed over 70% of his passes, and he has been a pleasant surprise for me this year. A challenge against the Lions is going to be stopping the run. Yeah. Even without DeAndre Swift. Yep. I want to put out there that I predicted Gino would toss for 72 Yeah, it was really rate. like a weirdly Just accurate on prediction. Point. You know, our buddy John Clayton used to do that. Yep. He said, yeah, he's going to run for 121 yards. And then he would exactly yeah, 121. Hey, that's John speaking through me. <laughs> All right. Um, silver lining would be that the tight ends are back. I think against the 49ers only had four targets. I believe with Latin last week's game, they had at least eight to nine targets. Um, something they need to worry about is just containment. Uh, the, the Bears are good, get on the edge, running the football. Just contain, contain, contain. I'll go on the offensive side. I, the silver lining is that Rashad Penny, the way he's finishing runs, at you know, putting his head down and bowling people over, and just I feel like he's become a football player. And, and then, you know, the challenge would be that this is a physical team in Detroit, Take it to them, man. If you can, if you can run the ball on them, I don't. I'm, I'm not going to put it on the defense just because they need to repair mm-hmm. things. But if you can, you know, take a, a sustained drive, go down the the field, and you know, ten play drive and just beat the crap out of them. <laughs> I think that that would be that would be my challenge to the Seahawks offense. Sounds awesome. The last going last is toughest, but you yeah, also get the uh, final word, John. 
Yeah, you know, silver lining-wise, I'm just going to go with how the offense stayed on the field. The third down conversions. I think they ran, what, 69 total plays after Mm -hmm. being under 50 the first two weeks because ultimately that's going to help your defense a lot, too. You can't ask the – we saw it all last year. You can't ask a defense to play 70, 80 plays a week all season long. That's just not good for them. So that, you know, keep that up, and you're going to just be a lot better on both sides of the ball. Uh, You know, the challenge to me, it's – Getting that offense, we've seen now two two of the three games where the offense was really good for half, and then they couldn't really keep mm. that momentum going. This Detroit team, you know, they're not a perfect team. They have their flaws, but they score a lot of points. And I don't think you can win a game where you have a good half offense and then get quiet. I think, I think you need four quarters of it. That's a really good one. I didn't even think about that. It's like improvement to that challenge. How about a touchdown in the second half, yeah. right? Or a touchdown <laughs> yeah. in the yeah, third right. or fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, look, the first half was awesome. That's, yeah. like, you know, 20 points, bouncing back from San Francisco game. Loved all that. But, yeah, you gotta, you're going to need to score some points in right. the second half. I'll give you the final word there. This has been The Huddle. Thank you, John, for joining of us. Of course, thank for you. For Dave Wyman, for Michael Bumpus, I am Stacey Rost. The Huddle, don't forget to tune in next Thursday, every single Thursday from noon to 2.